Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Hey everyone, this is Scott. And before we get into today's episode, I just want to say a thank you to our listeners who have stuck with us this year. After Andy's long reign as host, I took over hosting duties and I really didn't know what to expect earlier in the year, but you've stuck with us, you've given me a shot and I've had a lot of fun on this podcast this year and I'm really excited to continue to develop the podcast into next year. A quick thanks to all of our guests that have appeared on the podcast. I and we at Site Visibility really do appreciate the time you take out of your your day to share your experiences and your expertise with us. And I'm sure that's something our, our listeners share as well. And I'm a podcast listener. So, you know, I know how important podcasts have been for me in 2020. And um, whether that's just for education, entertainment or escapism, you're giving us your time. And that's something I'm really conscious of. So I want to make sure that I continue to bring you the most interesting marketing insights and advice into 2021. I've got a few quick requests before we get started with the episode today. I really want to get to know our listeners a little bit better. And so if you're listening and you're a regular listener, I want to feature you on the podcast. I want to get to know you better. So whether you've learned through our podcast, whether you've just got a growth story to share, marketing advice to share, if this is something you're interested in, please just message me at scott.colnut at sitevisibility.com or hit any of our contact options that I share in the show notes as I'd really like to hear from you. The second thing is just to review us. We I don't really ask for requests to review on every episode. I think that can become a little bit irritating. But it's the end of the year, and if you've stuck with us and you're really enjoying the, the episodes that we share and the knowledge that we share on our podcast, please do take some time to review us on your platform of choice. That really helps us out. And lastly, if you're looking for an agency and you want to grow your company through marketing in 2021, don't look any further. We're here. We practice what we preach and we produce this podcast and we have produced this podcast for a long time because we want to share insider tips and advice in marketing and make that accessible to everyone. That's something that carries through right through our agency. And so if you're there, you're thinking about hiring an agency next year to work with, 
please get in contact. Again, all of the details are in the show notes. And for now, I'll just wish everyone a very successful 2021. I hope you've enjoyed your holidays and uh, that you all stay in good health into next year as well. And thanks for continuing to listen. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. Today I'm here with Kirsty Hulse and we're going to be talking about all things humour in leadership. And it's 5pm on a Friday night on the, I think it's the 18th of December. I know for me this is one of the, well this is definitely going to be the last podcast I think I'll record for the Internet Marketing Podcast this year. And it's one of the last things I have to do in my working year. So I'm somewhere at the moment between elated and deflated. It's a really weird place to be. I imagine a lot of our listeners are in that place too. And Kirsty, I, I, uh, I saw, I think it was a LinkedIn post from you where uh, you were talking about all of the Zoom recordings, webinars and things that you've been on this year. So I imagine you're in a pretty similar place. Scott, I am running on fumes, but I'm exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> you are not getting me at my best. Your listeners are not getting me at my best. <laughs> So it's, so it's only downhill from here. Then. It's just downhill. It's downhill from from here on out. I'll be slurring <laughs> and and babbling nonsense. <laughs> no, same as you. This is my I think my last thing to do. I've got a few more bits to wrap up. In between elated and deflated, could not better articulate exactly where I am. I'm a shell of a woman, um, <laughs> and I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for our listeners, Kirsty, uh, you may have heard Kirsty from the marketing world. Um, Kirsty, you founded a marketing agency. Mm-hmm. You're a speaker. You're founder now of Raw Training, and I'm sure we're going to t- talk about training and coaching and, and that world. But before we go into depth about humor and leadership and creativity and maybe marketing, do you want to provide a brief introduction to our listeners about you, the mission you're on? Of course. So. Yeah, like you said, so I, I started out in, in SEO and digital marketing in the agency world, I was in that space for a long time. And I started speaking and I was speaking at lots of events. I was back in the day when I first started speaking, maybe 2009, 2010, I was nearly always the only woman. So mm-hmm. I started, I guess my my journey is I started giving free presentation training to women to try and level the professional playing field. And at that time, I was running Many Minds, the agency. It was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you might know this. It was just turning into this like beast that I hadn't set out intentionally to create. And I realized that running an agency is you have to really want it. And it's because it's a lot of work and I didn't want it enough. And then I started doing this work around training and leadership and it just felt so much more me and it felt so much more natural and normal for me to do that. So I founded Raw Training a couple of years ago and I've I've been focusing on that ever since really. And we help businesses, you know, like you said, uh, be more confident, be more creative, be more playful and all of those things that I guess come more naturally to me. That's really interesting and something I hadn't really thought to ask, but was that like, was there like a single trigger moment that you, like an aha moment where you thought, oh, actually this marketing thing isn't for me and maybe this other area is, or just did it happen naturally over time? That's such a nice question. Thank you for asking. And there was, there was a very specific moment. Um, Our biggest client at Many Minds, they sent an email and it was coming up to contract renewals 
And they sent an email. They're like, love the work, really great. Um, so let's just renew the contract. Procurement will want you to do a three-year extension. So we'll just get that going. And the words three-year extension, I was just, it just hit me. And if they'd gone, you know, we'll just go on to a rolling contract. I think I might still be doing it now. <laughs> but it right. forced me to reflect. And in that moment, I just went, oh, no. I just, and I knew then that I didn't want to sign that. And because they were our biggest contract, it just kind of put, there'd been a few things happening. I'd done some coaching training at that point. And I think in that moment, it all kind of came together. And I was like, oh, I, I know now that I don't want to be doing this in three years. Then it just made that very clear for me. So the reason I wanted to talk to you about, I mean, again, I didn't mention in the intro there, but you're also a stand-up comedian. Mm. And um, humour for me personally has a big role to play in leadership. So I'm managing director at Site Visibility. I'm essentially responsible for managing, coaching, motivating a team in an agency environment. So I guess exactly the type of person that uh, kind of might come to you for your support and help and expertise. I've always valued in my experience humor from managers and mentors in my career and actually just colleagues it's you talk about it on your website but the agency environment is a really it's it's a challenging environment Mm -hmm. people uh, make make or break an agency and yeah for me I just I value the role of humor in the agency environment and I'm just I guess I'm really curious from your experiences in that was it ever difficult for you to to lead with humour? What challenges did you face when you were leading with humour? Do you know, my answer to that question, actually, Scott, is it was difficult for me to not lead with humour in the sense that it is so ingrained in me. Like, I deeply believe, like, so to my core that laughter is the smallest distance between two people. I come from a family where like humor's at its core. I've got five older brothers. The way we communicate is through humor. I didn't ever know anything different. And actually, so for me, my learning had to be early in my career was to temper that. (laughs) Um, Because for me, I'm very, very, very informal. Yeah. And I think that really resonates with some people, really doesn't resonate with others. And, you know, that's okay. And so for me, my challenge was to figure out how to find that balance between humor, play, silliness, and still being considered to be taking things seriously and to be competent. They're not mutually exclusive. You can absolutely Mm. do both. But I think there's a line, and I think that's a line I am always walking. Mm. And I I wanted to know, uh, I was touching on, so you just mentioned you've kind of always been playful, always had that, I think, with your siblings you just mentioned there. And from the, I wanted to know whether your and I don't know this from reading about you whether stand-up comedy came from your exploration of exploring that playfulness or whether you intentionally went into that field at that particular time to um, when you had the idea to kind of coach and to be a motivational speaker and to get into that world so was it was it the goal to become a stand-up comedian or did stand-up comedy help inform those other roles so Stand up. I started in stand up. Uh, so classic after a messy breakup and I wanted to redefine myself. Textbook. And (laughs) people had been saying to me for years that I should do stand up. And I was like, no, no, no. And then I did, but that was a while, that was 2015. And actually I started doing stand up pretty much the same month, the same year as I founded Many Minds. 
And actually, it was really lovely because I just started this agency and our, our first client was Virgin Atlantic. So it got, it was big, quick. There wasn't much of like a run up. It was like straight, straight in. And actually having this outlet, this creative outlet of, of stand up was perfect, actually, because it's so different. And for me, I started doing stand up, but then I did a few stand up courses and I just learned the craft of writing jokes. And I really believe that if, if someone has a bit of an interest in it, it is without a doubt the best uh, tool to learn confidence, creativity, writing that I think there is. I'm so passionate about the impact stand-up can have on someone's professional competence. It's really, really powerful. That leads nicely into what I wanted to ask you anyway. So maybe just speaking more practically, can you speak speak about some examples in your career and that could be whether it's historically through marketing or currently through training and coaching how stand-up informs your work maybe some practical examples Mm, lovely okay so practice actually brevity and practice is what I learned in stand-up so when I, before I started doing stand up, I would deliver a speech or a presentation, whether that's to one person, 10 people, 100 people, and I would just go in and do it. Mm. Started doing stand up, and I very quickly learned that actually every single word counts. In stand up, there's a theory called word economy. And that is basically the more you, words you use broadly, the less funny the joke. Not always, not always, but often we can lose a punchline in an explanation and we can over talk. So this concept of articulating your message in as few words as possible, that's a skill I really learned in stand up. Because when you first start doing stand up, they have something called the type five, which is basically where you have five minutes. That's it. And you start with five minutes because it's some of the it's hard to do that. It's hard to get across your material in five minutes. And it has to be succinct and clear. And you learn to do that through knowing exactly what it is that you want to say and writing it out and then practicing it. And then that's a skill that I then brought into my speaking. It's a skill I brought into my emails. It's a skill I brought into certainly difficult feedback conversations. That brevity is really important. And I think going through the process of really honing the ability to (laughs) articulate messages quickly and clearly. And I started laughing because I realized perhaps maybe I'm not doing that now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that self-doubt creeps in and like, oh, maybe I'm waffling. (laughs) Feel like I'm waffling. <laughs> no, to be honest, to be honest, you were doing fine. But uh, it's it's funny. It's funny how there's a part of your brain there that says, "Oh, come on, shut up." Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that's one of the main things that I I learned through stand up. And in terms of its practical applications, it is this theory of of word economy. And in stand up, you also have something called stacking. And I use this in my confidence and presentation coaching. And stacking is when you have a setup for a joke or a punchline and then you add something else onto it and then you've lost the original thought or idea. And we can also see this in communication. So for example, and you'll be really good at this and you're not stacking is interviewers or uh, leaders may ask a question and go, okay, so how do you feel about this? And in terms of what do you think went wrong? And, And by that, I mean, so what do you think maybe we could do better next time? And suddenly we've lost the whole question. We've lost the original point. And this idea of stacking is when you say one thing, another thing, another thing, another thing, 
and then you've lost the power and the pertinence of the original point. And people tend to do it when we're nervous. And I'm sure there'll be people listening because I use it a lot of my coaching who will be like, yes, I definitely stack. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm conscious of the of what you're saying. And I know that I've done that before. And I can think to instances where I've done that and thought, oh, I should have just stopped after the first sentence. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm curious about as you're talking there, I mean, it applies to copywriting, what you're saying as well, which is an area that I love, the the ability to succinctly deliver a message by honing that brevity. But Are I'm you curious really to conscious know, of stacking now? Have I made you very self-conscious? No, nah, sometimes I like talking as well. So I'm, go- I'm going to do both. <laughs> I'm going to face it head on. So uh, the other thing that I'm curious about is, uh, you made me lose my train of thought. The other thing that I was curious about, oh, are there any stand-up comedians that you think apply that particular practice really well? Oh, all of them. I'd, oh, um, you think it's something applicable to all comedians? Every single word a stand-up utters is considered. Every single one. No word goes wasted. Mm. And if, if, if anybody here is a fan of a stand-up and maybe goes to watch a show twice and you watch exactly the same show, exactly the same word, every single word is important. And so I think that idea that there is no unimportant adjective, it all amounts and it's all equally crucial, I think is a really nice um, idea and theory to think about. In in marketing, like even in Instagram captions, this stuff really counts. And even the principle you're saying of brevity, even if not used in the role of humour. So let's say you're a leader, you've got to have a difficult conversation. You know, maybe it's a performance-related conversation or a conversation with a difficult client. Do you think that principle can still be applied to deliver a message powerfully? Completely. Especially if you think about um, so setting boundaries, so setting professional boundaries with clients or with each other. That's one of the main things we have to do. It's one of the hardest things we have to do. And I'm kind of overlapping maybe into another area now, but I think that's okay. Um, And so when we have these difficult conversations, it doesn't feel good. Like it really doesn't feel good. And if you're saying to a client, for example, that they are delaying the project because they're disorganized and not replying to your emails quick enough. Like I know we all have (laughs) worked with a client like that and you actually have to set that boundary you know, often without the brevity, we'll say things like, you know, um, I think it would be really good if maybe we could have a time in the diary when you could get back to us, because it's going to be really important that if you can sign off on this work and the quicker you can sign off on the work and, you know, the more we can do, and then we'll be able to deliver those better results versus is it possible in the future, if you have a four day window, when you can sign this off, is that something you can do? Thank you. And it just, uh, it's so much more powerful. And when we think about setting boundaries and having difficult conversations keeping them short and succinct is really key i think and the way we do that is through practice and consideration going back to the role of humor in conversation so i i think of humor and i think most people think that oh humor is probably really powerful in terms of diffusing a difficult situation but are there any other roles particularly in agency environments because that's the world that you kind of work in and train in Um, So the role of humour in agency environments beyond just diffusing situations that you think can be really powerful for? You know, that's interesting, actually. Thank you for asking that, because I don't think a place of humour is diffusing difficult situations. I actually think that's when humour can maybe misfire, just instinctively, just because I think sometimes when we're having difficult conversations, 
it's a difficult conversation. It has to be taken quite seriously. And I think that's sometimes when humor can maybe not perhaps be sensitive. For me, I think where humor has its real value is actually just in every day ongoing those kind of always on conversations. And I think where mm. it really, really has impact is when, when used on self, you know, I think we can become more approachable, more likable when we mock ourselves. I think being able to laugh at yourself is um, very humbling and I think can really bring people together. Self-deprecation is one of those things that I agree. I often see it as a catalyst, like you said, that can bring people together and it gives everyone a room, a little bit more room to breathe and relax a little bit more. I think if you see someone that's a mentor or in a leadership position that perhaps doesn't take themselves too seriously in that respect, they're willing to be self-deprecating. That can be quite a comforting thing. Yeah, and I also think there's a worry that I think people think that being self-deprecating is diminishing of confidence. But my perception is the exact opposite. That if somebody is comfortable enough with their flaws and their weaknesses, and we all have them, and if somebody is comfortable enough to look at themselves, call them out and make a joke about it, for me, that's confidence rather than the other way around. And I think, and it's also worth saying, this is very subjective. I think some people respond very, very well to this. Others, not so much. But I think broadly, as a leader, if you can point at your mistakes and your flaws and joke about them in a way that is still pragmatic and compassionate, then I think it's a very powerful tool. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And speaking about humor and power and the power that humor has, one thing I'm really interested in is the area of self-confidence. And you've touched on that several times during that opening kind of discussion. And I feel sad when I think about people that humor could be their biggest skill or their biggest asset, but perhaps they're in environments where they don't get to practice that skill or utilize that asset to make themselves and their colleagues happier. And I don't know why that might be. That could be Actually, that's a good question for you. How can leaders encourage a culture 
where humor is kind of accepted. We talked about self-deprecation maybe being one way to do that. Are there any others that you think where leaders, particularly in agency environments, can make that more acceptable? And for people where humor is a natural part of their character, encourage them to bring that out in their work? There's a quote by John Cleese. Okay. And he said, if you want creative workers, give them room to play. (laughs) Um, And so I think it's just creating that space for silliness. And, you know, bringing silliness into corporate environments can sometimes feel a bit like um, kitsch or a bit eye-rolly. But I think there's loads of really, really cool ways to do this. So I was actually reading a study that some academics have done on the importance of humor and business and actually meeting effectiveness. And so these academics had two control groups of some people who had just a normal standard everyday meeting, then the other control group who had a silly meeting. And so they did very different ways to like bring that silliness in. But one of the ways they did it was (laughs) they got the participants of the meeting to play a secret game where half of the people in the meeting knew what the rule was and the other half didn't. And the rule was that if someone in the meeting touched their face, then somebody else in the meeting had to put their hands in the air and go, isn't life beautiful? And so just that like subtle silliness in a meeting where half of the people know that you and I are in a meeting, Scott, I'm in on it, you're not. If you touch your face and I go, thank you so much for those figures and reports, Scott, I just very quickly want to inject just to check in with everyone because isn't life beautiful? It's just ridiculous. And so that was one of the examples that the academics used. But I think for me is, you know, creating a culture of play. And there's lots of books on this, like Lego is used a lot as a corporate tool and being able to do this, bringing toys into meetings. And I think what I found, because I do a lot of like improv and stand-up exercises in my confidence work, is it takes a bit of time for people to warm up to it. But then suddenly Mm. we start to play because we do know how to do that. We just forget. Interesting. And and this is something I wanted to ask about as well. So that's a good transition into this area. So I wanted to ask about the topic of some people are going to be sitting there and thinking, okay, maybe I know that humor could be useful, but I'm just not a funny person. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, do you think that everybody has funny or everyone has humor in them? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So you think it's just the the culture that needs to bring that out in them? Yeah. And I think sometimes we think of humor as being the creators of humor rather than the receivers of humor. Mm. And so it's not about being funny. You know, we don't all have to be able to write a joke or make a room laugh. Although I do think everybody can. I, I think everybody has that capability. Some are just more comfortable with it than others. And that's that's okay. We're all super different. But I think I, I don't think there is a person on the planet who cannot laugh. It's our most true genetic expression, I think. And so I think it's just about creating the ways in which we can just ease the reins a little bit in workplaces. And I often think that comes from the top down. And just allowing a bit of, and and I think I keep coming back to this. I think maybe rather than humor, it's the clo- It's more of a play because humor feels a bit more structured, whereas play yeah. is a bit more of an open expression. I'm going to speak in practical terms. I'm actually thinking about myself in this situation. So, 
and there's going to be other agency owners again it's tough in an agency environment as it is at um, just life in general mm-hmm. just because it's busy dynamic i think somewhere you reference on your website that's typically more of a you know most agencies are made up of younger staff mm-hmm. younger people go through different things older people and there's you, you know you at that point in your career in your 20s and 30s um in particular where you don't really know kind of a lot of people don't really know where they're going or they're just finding their own character they're finding themselves and you've got lots of people experiencing that at the same time in an agency environment that's very difficult so as a leader i'm looking at that and then it, this year you know we're in in the pandemic and the the volatility that causes agencies and the unusual unusual situations that have occurred this year just causes more stress more anxiety and so i'm i'm looking at ways myself and i'm sure a lot of other people are to think okay how can i ease anxiety ease stress i think comedy and humor has a big role to play in that but i want to go beyond that and create a culture as you've just described where it becomes a habit it becomes play it becomes a thread within the culture are there any other practical ways in which me and other agencies can do that so i think for me and this is so tricky isn't it because trying to you know, like I, I can't help but think of david brent you know when you think of someone trying to create a funny corporate culture you can't force it you can't, can't force, force it, it. Yeah. You can't. and so I, I think for me it's perhaps not about how you cultivate humor I think the question mm. is more about how you make sure you're not not cultivating humor. If, yeah. that, if that makes sense. Because I think so often we, it's actually more about a removal of the need for business to be serious. I think that's the first, the place to come at it from rather than thinking about, you know, how we can make everybody laugh in these meetings. That's too difficult, I think. But actually, yeah. I think if the question is, how can we make sure that we're not taking everything so seriously? And I think if that's a question, then that's much more answerable and perhaps appeals to, you know, the other areas you alluded to, like obviously now, like stress, work-life balance, mm-hmm. and actually just softening the edges of agency environments. They're busy, they're fast-paced, we all have deadlines to hit, but we can absolutely soften the edges of them through thinking about the ways in which we can just take the whole thing less seriously. Hmm. And I wanted to understand a little bit more about the training that you've provided. And um, this is quite a, a loaded question, but I'm interested in any examples of, and it could be from people that you've trained and, and you've transformed them or their agencies through your training. Because um, I'm interested in kind of your anecdotal experience of people that have been transformed through humor. But on a similar train of thought there, I'm um, also would love to hear from any examples of brands that you think have been transformed through their use of humor. Mm, interesting. Okay. So in terms of the way in which I aim to transform others, my main lane is confidence. Mm. And I use humor as a Trojan horse almost, because when we talk about confidence i'll use this as an example because it's it's huge in agencies it's one of our biggest agency challenges and consequently opportunities if you can create a team that's willing to advocate speak on stages deal with client conflict compellingly all of those brilliant things but actually what we're dealing with here is vulnerability fear um it's often quite heavy topics and so when you use humor as a way to approach that then that becomes a lot easier so in terms of examples i mean there's 
hundreds and hundreds of people that are now speaking at events that otherwise wouldn't have been because of the work that I've done with them. But I'm trying to think of what the best answer to your question is. Are you looking for specific examples of how to do this? <laughs> I want a feel. I want a feel good story. Oh, you I want, want a story? To know, yeah, I think so. I think I want. Um, I'm thinking about. Yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to hear about whether it's. It doesn't have to be in an agency environment, but whether it's someone you've trained or so, uh, an agency that you've coached that, uh, or a person that you've coached or trained that's gone through this experience of using humor to build their confidence and transform themselves or their agency or perhaps if you've got any examples that come to mind of even if you haven't worked with them brands that you think have done that that you're aware of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh there's so many so yeah i i think the for me there's been so many so many times and i think this is the main driver for perhaps why i i do what i do and i think confidence and play is so important there's been so many times when i've gone into businesses or worked with individuals and someone has um said to me i never ever put myself forward for opportunities mm. people will email me and say do you want to speak at this event and i will always say no and then through just playing and even, and it's different for everyone. There's like hundreds of different techniques I use and some of them are stand up based. And so some people really resonate with that. And actually I have a story. So there was a time I worked with a wealth management firm. And so not an agency, but it was what I was expecting to be an incredibly tough crowd. So it was what exactly if I say to you, Scott, imagine the most corporate finance company you can imagine what you're picturing that (laughs) yep so it was that and they were trying to work with basically people who worked in the tech space people who were making a bit more money and were maybe a bit younger and weren't their typical client and so they wanted to learn how to communicate to the children (laughs) basically was the brief i got And I got two of these wealth management people through improv exercises to pretend to be a table. And I went into that thinking, this is going to be awful. They are not going to resonate with my work. We all have our biases, right? And I brought my biases into that meeting. Mm. I had expectations that they would be serious and stuffy and wouldn't like my work. But I went in and at first they were that, were often cautionary when I say, I'm going to do some stand-up and improv exercise with you now. People are normally like, oh, this is going to be the worst. Uh, And then both of them pretended to be a table. They were laughing, they were giggling, they were playing. And about a week later, they removed suit policy from the business. <laughs> and so, well, that's just, yeah, so that's just a tiny no. little win of getting some people to pretend to be a table in a boardroom and then having like an actual impact in terms of what they deem to be important and how they project themselves. And I think there has been that shift in terms of how we allow people to show up in business. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you gave that example. It just led me to a question which I'd actually forgotten about prior to this episode. Uh, I, I thought about it about two weeks ago and then I've forgotten it and I've just remembered it again. And I'm interested to know from a training perspective. So again, lots of people listening to this are familiar, are familiar with team building exercises that are, the intention is to bring people together. And you've just talked about how you approach that from 
the the angle of comedy or, or humor but i think the effects of those one-off training sessions can sometimes feel short-lived so you have a really mm-hmm. great time sometimes on the day or sometimes not so much i'm sure we've all known those team building days as well but then you go away and then you don't apply it to your agency longer term so is there anything that you think you do uniquely within your training that that gives it some longevity oh lovely question honestly when i first started raw my training was so flash in the pan you know i went (laughs) and that was okay because i would you know people would have a nice day and it was fun and it was great but in terms of like long-term implementation that's much harder and the reason Mm. for that is and i have an answer to this question that actually 2020 has helped with is I think you have to start any training with an acknowledgement that there is a big difference between learning and transformation. Mm. And even this is a concept that is new to a lot of us. So often we go into training situations as if it were a classroom, because that's what we know. And classrooms tend to be passive environments where you sit back, you all learn, you learn stuff and you are taught, you are given information and then you absorb it and then somehow things are different. But actually when we talk about personal professional development it's very different because it isn't a passive experience it is i will give you some tools some techniques some frameworks and then you have to go away and apply them because a lot of the work that i do it's about habit forming forming different habits forming different thought processes and no trainer can do that for somebody someone has to do that for themselves and i think that is the fundamental difference between transformation and learning because we don't deeply change based on what we know we deeply change based on how we feel so we have to take whatever tools techniques exercises and maybe i'll i'll share one at the end that might help the listeners tools techniques exercises and then go away and constantly consistently consistently reapply to change learning into transformation I'm interested to know, yeah, one thing that people go away and apply in context of what you were just saying. Okay, perfect. Right. So one of the, um, a stand-up specific exercise, one of the things I really, really like to do is it's called the expert game. And people have a lot of fun with this and you will have random topics. So some of the topics I use, for example, is interior designs for five pounds or less. The reason everything your parents tell you is a lie, why clowns are evil, the real reason uh, dinosaurs don't exist. So you come up with silly topics like these. Another favorite topic of mine is kitchen utensils throughout history that never caught on. And then the idea is, is you get together as a team and everybody has a minute just a minute and you have to present to the room as if you were an expert on that topic and the reason (laughs) (laughs) and so you get and so you get people opening up talking playing it's a really brilliant exercise to train us it is a skill to think on our feet one of the best things improv can teach you is the ability to think on your feet under pressure, a very valuable skill if you work with clients. <laughs> and so that's a really simple and easy game. And you go around the room, everybody has a minute. And it, the reason I like it is because it's so much easier than you think it is. So, so, so much easier than you think it is to talk about, you know, why I had one, ta- one time somebody told me, Uh, in this exercise that the real reason dinosaurs don't exist is just because of a deep sense of sadness and boredom. And they went off on one and like the room was just crying. And the great thing about this is this is a nice way to bring humor into the workplace where nobody's trying to be funny. All you're doing is trying to talk on a topic you know nothing about for a minute. It's easy and it's silly. And so that's, I think, a practical thing. Maybe some people can try. 
I love that. I was we were just playing in our team uh, the game. What's it called? Uh, Quicklash, which is um, you come up with kind of. Uh, you get questions like that and have to respond to them as a team, and then you vote on the like your favorite answer. That some of the principles are the same, apart from I really love the role playing element of speaking about something seriously that you know nothing about. And as I'm saying that, the little voice in my mind is saying, "You do that on the podcast every week." To, to me. <laughs> <laughs> our natural inclination is to script it. You know, the moment you set the parameters mm. of the game, our brain stops to script it. Script it. So you have to do it really, really, really quick so people can't script it. And then you ask <laughs> other people around the room to introduce that person as the expert. So people start saying ridiculous things like, "Welcome to Dinosaur Conference 2014. Today we have Professor." tiddly pops and people just say stupid stuff when you put them on the spot because that's what we do when we're playing we're still all yeah. just children in suits <laughs> in this area of resources and exercises i'm interested to know from you if there is anything else it could be in the area of leadership and humor specifically it could just be leadership any resources that you'd recommend to our listeners oh lovely question thank you so um yes there's there's tons of stuff but i think for me there's a book called um how to be a great stand up by logan murray the reason i like it is it doesn't matter if you ever want to do stand up or not but it has lots of games and exercises in it which you can apply to loads of different contexts it has writing games creativity games and it's just a really brilliant book for any leader to read actually to think about how you as an individual can can reconnect to your sense of play there's a book called a professor called dr robert epstein who's done lots of research on play and creativity and he has a book called um the big book of creativity games i think and that's huge and it has so many different exercises and games that you can play and it's all research based like he's a harvard professor like he knows his shit of things that he's done as a researcher to allow people to use play as a way to unlock creativity. Um, so I think those are the two, the two main ones that, that come to mind that I think are easy to read and very practical and have things in there that you can immediately go away and apply to your business. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time out today for yeah putting a bow on this episode for me as my christmas present Christmas present to our listeners thank you so much although i say that this episode probably won't be published for another couple of weeks but still the sentiment is there but before i let you go do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you and raw training oh yes um so my name is kirsty hulks and i am i mean i mean i'm incredibly findable on the internet um <laughs> zero uh yeah, so Kirsty Hulse. My name is Kirsty Hulse, and uh, if you follow me on social media, that tends to be where I share most of my things. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for having me. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Switching to Shopify helps you sell smarter at every stage of your business. Take full control of your brand with your own custom online store. Wow, looks amazing. 
Find more customers with our easy-to-use marketing tools. Piece of cake. And let the best converting checkout on the planet do its thing. Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Switch to Shopify today for a $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.